If you would, please turn in your Bibles to Numbers 13. Who can tell us what our new monthly theme is? I heard, I heard it. There you go. Have the courage to speak up, whoever said that. More courage, right? You know, I thought about, this is kind of obvious, but the way we scheduled the year out, we've got 12 sermon series built in. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Makes my job easier, and you know what I'm going to preach on week to week. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, I want to just say thank you very much in advance for giving uh, to Hope this morning. Don't know how much is collected. I don't really care specifically what was given, but it was short notice uh, with the email and then the announcement this morning. But thank you for your hearts to give. Uh, for those of you that brought insect repellent, which is also a need, uh, for victims down there in, in Louisiana and Texas. Thank you for that. I'm going to deliver that uh, to the Midwest Missions Distribution Center this week. I know they'll be very grateful as they're very low uh, on those. Um, so with that said, let's go to God in prayer before we dig into the Word this morning. Amen? Father, thank you so much for each heart that's here this morning. Uh, Father, we are just so, so humbled to be your children. Uh, we're honored to call you God. We uh, ask for your grace and mercy as we move forward and uh, want to be more like your son in every area. Father, when you're done putting us in the fire and you pull us out, God, at the very end, I pray that each one of us looks more like him than what we do like ourselves now. Father, thank you for blessings that come our way. Thank you for your love that's indescribable. But God, we also thank you for the suffering when it comes along because that is what forms us into your son. Father, we don't really know what suffering's like compared to those in the Bible. But God, they're still real to us and you know that and you're with us in those fires. Thank you for being with us all the time. You truly are our king and there is none like you. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to talk this morning about a character in the Bible that I just admire so much. And when you talk about courage, where do you even start in the Bible, right? I mean, I could reel off characters left and right, but I won't get them all. I mean, I think about Noah. I think about Joseph. I think about Daniel. I think about Esther. I think about Ruth. I think about... Paul, I think about Timothy, I think about Barnabas, Joshua, did I say Joshua? I thought I said, no, I didn't say Joshua. I think about Gideon, right? Most of all, I think about Jesus. He had the most courage of all, did he not? But this morning, I want to talk about Caleb. I want to talk about Caleb because I admire anybody that can stand the faith in the trials that he faced and the peer pressure that he faced and to do so for 45 years until God gave him his blessing. That's the kind of guy I like right there. Sorry, my, my tablet's getting all weird on me. It's all over the place, actually. So we frequently have physical goals, don't we? We say we want to get better physically. I want to go to the gym. 
more often. We make that New Year's resolution, right? I want to eat healthier, right? I want to go back to school. I want to take some classes. I want to take some cooking classes, some dancing classes. I want to take, hopefully, some Bible classes, right? I want to get a better job. I want to succeed. I want to provide for my family. These are good things, right? I want to be productive. I want to serve. I want to get financial security, whatever that is these days, right? But what about God's goals for you? What about the spiritual goals that he's put on your heart? What about your character formation? Are you willing to do anything to mature in Christ? You don't have to turn there, but in Romans 8, verse 29, says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. You see, God wants us to be more like Jesus. That's his biggest goal for us. Discipleship is the process of becoming more like our master. What are your spiritual goals, church? Your individual spiritual goals, what are they? Save that thought. We'll come back to it towards the end. We're going to do quite a bit of reading here at the beginning. We're going to look at Numbers 13, 27 through 33, and then we're going to roll right into Numbers 14. So let's read together. Starting at verse 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does indeed flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there, they're powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites lived in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said the land was explored, excuse me, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Reading on in Numbers 14. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those that explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing 
with milk and honey, and He will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to fast forward a little bit now. We're going to fast forward 45 years later. Okay, so turn in your Bibles to Joshua 14. Joshua 14, we'll start in verse 6. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kinseyite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved in and about the wilderness. So here I am today. 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out. Just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. Wow! We just read a lot, didn't we? We could have many lessons out of this for sure. Title of this message this morning, Give Me This Mountain. You know, we have a great contrast here of Caleb and Joshua and their faith who believe that God could use them to change the world versus the other ten spies who let fear reign, who let the world's intimidation dominate what faith they had. You see, Caleb and Joshua remembered here in their heart, remembered here that their God is the God that overthrew Egypt. And part of the Red Sea, amen? It wouldn't matter if there were a million giants and only one Jewish boy to fight. God with that boy, God would win, right? We know that. We see it. We see it in the battle of David versus Goliath, don't we? We see it throughout the whole Bible. Here is God's people 
on the cusp, at the doorstep of going into the promised land, and fear reigns supreme. For the majority, that is, right? Fear dominates the decision. First point, Caleb had moral courage. Caleb had moral courage. He didn't float with the current trends. The curse of our age, brothers and sisters, is cowardice. It takes guts to stand up to a non-Christian society, does it not? People have trouble doing it. I have trouble doing it. I assume you probably do as well. Everybody wants to fit in. Everybody wants to be accepted. Everybody wants to be appreciated. But you know what? We got to worry about making God please before man. You can't do both. I can't do both. I've tried. It doesn't work, does it? Maybe you've experienced the same thing. We are going to be forced, if we say Jesus is Lord, to participate a little bit, right? A little bit in his sufferings. Probably a lot more than we are, right? Young people. I really appreciate young people. There's, they're, they're mostly downstairs now, but can you imagine going to school these days? What's being taught at universities and high schools? I appreciate those that are seeking God that are younger. Pray for our youth. Pray for our teen ministry. Pray for our preteen ministry. Pray for Jam City. Pray for the kids in the schools today. They need it. They need our prayers. You know, years and years ago, obviously by the title of the show, there was a candid camera episode. You remember that show back, back in the day? You don't remember. You're too young. <laughs> um, there was a show where the camera was in on an elevator, and the elevator doors opened up, and the group of people were facing the other door. So when people walked in, they saw their backs. And they started mumbling. That's, that's kind of strange. But you know what? They all did it. The three or four people that got in the elevator, they started standing the way the other ones were. Why? Why not? Just to fit in, right? That's the way we are, though, isn't it? We love to blend in. We like to feel accepted. We like to do what everybody else does. We like to keep up with the Joneses. But Caleb did not give in to fear. Worry means to strangle or choke. Studies show that worry actually can impair your vision, cause heart disease, ulcers, alcohol abuse, suicide. 25 million people have blood pressure issues. Now some of that's hereditary, but how much of that is self-imposed? 230 million people worldwide take tranquilizers. These numbers are staggering, guys. These are actual quotes from real people. I always feel bad when I feel good because I know I'll feel bad after a while. Okay. One lady said she liked worrying because if she didn't do that, she'd be bored. Hello, you remember that quote we, we, we said in another lesson? Rocking chair, rocking back and forth, it'll give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. Right? Another quote, 
Man said, if you have no ulcers, you're not carrying your share of the load. How's that for old school, right? The effects of fear. Fear can actually make you paralyzed. It can make you helpless. It can cripple your very faith in Jesus. You don't have to turn there. Matthew 14, verse 30. When Peter saw that the wind was violent, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Peter was walking on water, guys. We criticize him so much because he went down in the water. Almost went down. Jesus saved him. But he actually did it. He had the faith to do it. How many more steps would he have taken if he hadn't have looked around and kept his eyes on Jesus? Fear can take you out of the battle. It can take you out. The Lord said to Gideon, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And how many departed? 22 of 32,000 men because of fear bowed out of the battle. God wasn't even done when he got down to 10,000, right? He eventually got it down to 300. Fear can take us out. It says in Proverbs 29, verse 25, Fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. That's where I want to be. I want to be kept safe. By him. By him. Some Christians may tell us, well, we're, not a, we're not able to obtain all that the Lord has promised. I don't, I don't think that's true. Because 1 Samuel 14, 6 says, God is not limited. Doesn't the Bible say, with God, all things are possible? It's true. But why, why would Caleb take on a giant? Why? You know, Hebron was large. It was a royal city before Israel got there. You and I know New York City is the home of the football giants, right? San Francisco is home of the baseball giants, right? But we're talking about the city. Hebron is the place. It is the major place where the Anakites, the giant of all giants, it's their home turf, okay? It's where they originated from. It is the big of the big. It's the seedbed of the powers of darkness. So essentially, Caleb is taking on the biggest bully on the block. He's not working his way up. He's taking on the big guy right out the gate. Caleb knew you don't put up scarecrows unless there's something worthy of defending. You know, the real giant takes on any imposters. You see... Caleb was a real giant because he was God's man. Those in Hebron, they may have looked huge. They may have been huge in size. But 
Caleb had it in his heart where it matters. He was giant in his heart. You know, the real giant is the man who still has dreams and visions for God. Turn to Joel 2, please. Are we making sense this morning? Joel 2, verse 28. And afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. See, dreams and visions are the language of the spirit. We need to be a people that are captured by the Holy Spirit. You see, when the 12 spies went in, they went in by Hebron. Caleb walked around that beautiful mountain and its slopes and dreamed of what might be. Dreamed that it would be his one day. Dreamed of all that his ancestors could have on that slope one day. You see, you don't have to turn there. In Joshua 14, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. That's what I love about Caleb. Wholeheartedly. We'd all like to say that, wouldn't we? But some days are better than others. Some days, maybe we are wholeheartedly. I hope we all have those days. But many of them aren't, are they? Now, I don't want to give you the impression that Caleb was Jesus, because he's not. There was only one Jesus. But man, I'd like to have God say to me, when I see his face, man, you followed me the best you could. You followed me passionately. You followed me wholeheartedly, like Caleb, my servant. Brothers and sisters, do you have a spiritual goal? Do you have a mountain in your life right now? You see, 45 years after God promised him his mountain, Caleb cried, give me this mountain. Church, what is your mountain? If you don't have one, I encourage you, and I'm going to say this respectfully, get in God's face. And let me explain that. That's not, that's, that, that, when we look at that term worldly, it sounds offensive. When I say get in God's face, get before him. Be broken. Be surrendered. Beg him for you to become holy as he is holy. Tell him you want your heart to break with what breaks his. Tell him that you want to see through his eyes. You want to have his heart. He will do this, brothers and sisters. And he will put mountains in your life. <laughs> he put mountains in your life sometimes whether you ask him for them or not, right? Let's be honest. But church, what is it? Is there a specific family member that you want saved? 
that you want to come to know as Jesus is Lord? Who is that family member? And are you still praying for them every day, several times a day? Maybe you want to dream for God. Maybe you want to go to a mission on, to South America or to Europe. Don't give up on that dream. Maybe you want to become a teacher in the movement. Don't give up on that dream. Maybe you've got a neighbor that is doing some great things for God and they don't happen to come to this church. Whoa, I'm going there. Maybe you can serve with them in what they're doing in the greater kingdom. And maybe in just loving them and serving with them, you'll be able to eventually open the Bible and learn from each other. I'm open to you talking to me about that after church, if you'd like. Maybe it's going about in the community and the neighborhoods and seeing what God's already doing. It's helping the James Project with the foster children in Sangamon County. It's providing insect repellent to a local organization that has the means to take it down to the, the flood victims in Texas. You with me? It's singing at the nursing homes, right? We can do things that are already being done in the community. You know, Paul said, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus, Jesus took hold of me. He later went on to say, I finished my course. I finished my race. We're not finished. We are not finished. We have more to do. And as we do it, he is doing something in us as we go along. Next point, Caleb chose God's method of conquest. Caleb chose God's method of conquest. You see, there's normal worldly ways of conquest. What are the ways of war? Bombs, spears, <laughs> in the old days, right? Swords, guns, shields. But those are no avail to the giants you and I face. Those won't work against the giants we face. And even our Lord, Jesus said to Peter, no, not that way. We've got to use God's method of conquest, and that is faith. Sounds easy. But the application sure is hard, isn't it? Hebrews 11.30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the walls fell. Zechariah 4.6. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, yeah, yeah, that word. Zerubbabel, I'm saying that all wrong. Not by might nor by power, but my spirit, 
says the Lord Almighty. By my spirit. Hebrews 3.19 tells us that the reason that the Israelites couldn't enter the promised land the first time was because their lack of faith. There is a connection between faith and deliverance. Faith and deliverance. Matthew 9, verse 29, according to your faith, be it unto you. I'm just going to reel these off. If you want to take notes for a quiet time, that's, that's ultimately great. Matthew 17, verse 19 and 20. The disciples asking Jesus why they couldn't drive the demon out, and he could. Why couldn't we drive it out? Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. And James 5.15 says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Wow. Faith moves mountains, brothers and sisters. We're not the mountain movers. God is still the mountain mover. But your prayers will move God. God put Israel on a faith-building program. You may have entered that program a couple of times in your walk with Him. God's faith-building program was 40 years in the wilderness. You ever been in the wilderness? If you have not been in the wilderness as a disciple... I assure you, you will. There's nothing quite like it, brothers and sisters. But you will be refined to be more like Jesus in the wilderness. You will come out stronger, more faithful, more trusting, more surrendered, more broken, more holy. I could go on and on and on. You will come out more like Jesus on the other side of the wilderness. And the great thing is, you will come through. But there are no guarantees when that'll be. Because God's timing's not our timing. How many of you have ever ridden on a Ferris wheel? I raise my hand partially because I really don't like them and I don't ride them a lot because I'm fearful of heights, to be honest. But yeah, I've ridden on a couple. And I, I'm good. I'm done, right? But the guy that built the first Ferris wheel, his name was George Ferris. The first time after it was constructed and he went on a test ride, he went with his wife and a reporter. And they got around the first time and there was a gentle breeze that day. It was a July day, a gentle breeze. And they got off and... Um, he was excited that it had worked, felt like it was safe, and they were, you know, they were doing a story on him with the reporter. But you know, the amazing thing is, George believed in his engineering. He believed in his technology. He believed in his product, and his wife and the reporter believed in George, right? Or they wouldn't have gotten on there. It was a success, but it was impossible before George invented it. 
But now the impossible had been done. What was once impossible is now possible. How much more so when we follow God Almighty? Getting close to the end. We've got to stay strong to the end. If Caleb can do it for 45 years, from the age of 40 to the age of 85, we can do it also, right? We can go to the end. Why did he stay till the end? Because he remained engaged in the battle. If you don't remain engaged in the battle, you will die spiritually. Now, you, you might not believe that. But that's concern right there if you don't. Because every time I, re, I disengage, or get a little further away from the body, my soul begins to die. Have you ever done that? You got to re-engage the battle. You got to get back with God. You got to get back in his proximity. You got to get back to confessing sin. You got to get back to meditating on the word. Are you still in the battle? There was once a pastor from Houston, coincidentally, that had a five-year-old daughter at the time several years ago said, Daddy, I'd like, to build, I'd like for you to build me a dollhouse. And her dad was reading a book in his study, and he said, Sure, honey, I'd be glad to do that. A few minutes later, he looks out the window, and he sees his daughter collecting stuffed animals, toys, play china and cups. He says to his wife, what's Melody doing? Didn't you just tell her you would build her a dollhouse? Yeah, I'm reading a book and I got a list of things to do. And you didn't tell her when. You told her you would build it. You promised. Next thing you know, he's out the door heading to Home Depot. And he's going to buy the lumber and everything needed to buy her that dollhouse. Why? Because when he saw her faith that her daddy was going to keep his word and that he was going to do what he said and he was going to build her that dollhouse, she was going to go get ready for it. She was going to take the steps necessary to get that dollhouse ready. And he wasn't going to disappoint his little girl. He was going to go make her day and keep his word. Don't you think God wants to keep his word with us. We, we're his children. He, I can't fathom it. I'm not smart enough to fathom it, but he loves us. Loves us so much. He wants to keep those promises. We won't always be on our time. We know that. But think about your relationship with God like the little girl with her daddy. When God sees our faith, nothing can keep him from carrying out his word. Do you believe this? The time's now. Some of us are doing okay. Some of us are doing better than okay. Some of us, maybe not doing so well. We're all at different places. The great thing about God, we can always rededicate. We can always do better. But let's don't wait till tomorrow. Because we don't know when Jesus is coming back. None of us does, right? He could come back right after service. He could come back right now. He could come back at any minute. Let's don't take our time for granted. Let's make the most of it while we're here.
Let's lay hold of the promises of God. Let's claim his blessings. Let's claim our mountain, brothers and sisters. Whatever mountain you've been praying about. Whatever giant you're facing, keep praying. Keep praising God. Praise it on through. Pray it on through. Let's claim our mountains in God's name. Amen? Amen. To God be the glory. I believe Stephen's going to close us out with some announcements. We have quite a few. Uh, he'll hit on this in just a minute. But remember, next Sunday, if you're not going to St. Louis, there will be service here in the fellowship hall uh, at 10 a.m. And then Stephen will give us the rest of the details about um, worshiping in St. Louis. Amen? To God be the glory. Love you guys.